Good morning, good morning, podcasters. And this morning, it is going to be Mary Pierre and me who are going to be delivering while our um, co-host is swanning it down in Cancun this morning, not realizing that there's an hour difference at the moment. So uh, she wasn't quite ready to meet us last night. So um, that, that being said, I know that she'll probably listen to this later. So we hope you're having a wonderful time in Cancun, Maria. So this morning, we're going to be talking about fuzzy whys. Okay. And, you know, fuzzy, what, what, I love that word. It's like a, a word that describes sort of a mess, but it's also sort of a nice mess and one that can make you feel good. And we want to be able to sort out the fuzziness into clarity. So in 1962, Sam Walton um, opened his first Walmart store. He had already um, owned it for, for several years before many what they call five and dime stores. Uh, but 1962 was his first Walmart. And at the time, there were lots and lots of uh, other uh, businesses like his on the market. One of those being Fred Mart. Fred Mart was opened by Sol Price. And Sol Price's business eventually went on to become Costco. Now, uh, Sam Walton said that he basically copied a lot of his ideas from Fred Mart. Um, but while he was opening his stores, there were uh, things like Kmart and Woolco, and all of those were coming onto the market at the same time as him. However, Sam Walton's Walmart started to grow and grow. Whereas Kmart and Woolco, yeah, they grew, but nothing like to the extent that Walmart did and nothing like the extent of the success that Walmart had. They were already bigger and had they been better organized or better managed or better led, they would have crushed Walmart. So Walmart, uh, Walton understood the meaning of hard work. So he was somebody that was not afraid of putting in everything that he could for his business. His stores grew to 18 by 1969. And in 1970, Walmart became a public company. After 1970, they added about 100 stores every year. And in 1991, they started to go international with the opening of their first store in Mexico. Unfortunately, Walton died in 1992. And by the time he uh, died, the annual sales at Walmart were nearly $50 billion. And uh, he ha they had on their books 1,735 Walmart stores plus some um, superstores. So how did Walton manage to grow his big business bigger uh, than anybody else, bigger than um, even Costco, who had started, uh, you know, growing at that time? 
And other people were basically doing the same thing, weren't they? So some of the things were uh, as a result of his, I guess, um, forward thinking. He revolutionized the way uh, retail worked. He introduced um, regional centers and he introduced a lot of the early technologies, point of sale and inventory tracking. But it was actually way more than that. He understood the importance of people. Oh, I think we've heard that message before, that people are what makes a business. Uh, we all know from our own MLM that Brownie Wise says, build the people and you build your business. And so he understood that. He had a philosophy of working together, not being a boss. He, had, he actually uh, came up with 10 rules for, uh, by which he worked. And, and I'm going to tell you these 10 rules because basically they could be the 10 rules of life um, and um, uh, very interesting. So the first thing he said was commit. Commit to whatever it is you're doing. Have a passion for it. M have something in mind that makes you want to jump up in the morning. And so have that commitment. Share your spoils. So share whatever you have with, um, with your people. So treat your people as partners, not as uh, employees. And he actually did that. Uh, physically by setting up a share scheme in Walmart so that when his people got bonuses and things like that, they actually got shares in the company. Um, number three, motivate. Um, he says, keep the job interesting. Give people goals, give them challenges. Um, maybe occasionally swap their roles to make it interesting and see how they go with that. Uh, communicate. So, I mean, that sounds obvious, doesn't it? Communicate. The more people know, the more people understand, keep them in the loop, not in the dark. You know, the expression, don't treat them like mushrooms, treat them like people. So, um, communicate. Number five, appreciate them. So an appreciation, sure, it's nice to get a bonus and, and that, but, you know, there's nothing quite as good as praise. There's nothing quite as good as when you've given a presentation that you get a message from your leader which says, wow, what a great job, congratulations. So um, praise. Um, number six, celebrate your successes. Um, and... Uh, Find humor, find humor, find humor in your failures. And I, I love that because so many people, they try to hide their failures. And uh, what he's saying is, you know, basically failures are good. You've got to celebrate them, find humor in them and learn from them. So that's number six. Number seven. Oh, this is a new one. Listen listen to what uh, people are saying so and figure out ways to get them talking so you know i i know that um in in some of the meetings now we're doing a lot more to try and get people talking not necessarily 
talking, but writing in the chat and and being participative. The more people are participative in something, the more they'll own it and want to be part of it. Exceed your expectations is number eight. Your customer expectations. Uh, exceed them. Make sure that satisfaction is guaranteed, but more than satisfaction. And uh, number nine, control. Control your expenses. Know where your money is going. Know how you're making your money. I think our leader must have read Sam Walton's book, uh, which apparently is the um, is a recommended reading for all uh, business people entering uh, business administration. And number 10, swim. Not just swim with the crowd, but swim upstream. So swim against what other people are telling you to do. And uh, one of the things that Sam Walton was told time and time again is there's no point having a store in a, in a village or a town of 50,000 people. He says, yeah, there's every point because now they're all going to buy from my store. And so swimming upstream. So I, when I was reading these, I was uh, thinking, of course, of our own leader. And I love these uh, amazing rules. But you know what? People don't think of Walmart in that way anymore, unfortunately. What happened to change the perception of Walmart in the 90s, where it really was that friendly uh, business, where everybody wanted to go, where everyone felt part of it, where the employees were really happy with where they lived, how did, where they worked? How did that change to be a company where there are currently something like 250 lawsuits against Walmart for unfair practices in business. How did it change that it became a company that doesn't treat customers well, but basically when you try and uh, have a return or, or make a suggestion about something, they're just not interested. They're doing everything they can to hold on to their money and not give you back yours. Now, it, unfortunately, it's become a company that is not liked by customers, employees, nor respected by competitors. Why? It lost its why. Its why became fuzzy. It became a company that was focused on the bottom line, focused on price. It became a manipulative company. And, why, and as soon as things like that happen, that the manipulation begins, people don't like to be manipulated and people can see through manipulation. And so the business uh, started to fail. And if the why in your business uh, fails or is not known, your business can become a bit derailed. And unfortunately, that is what has happened to uh, Walmart. And in fact, I did, oh, oops, sorry, my phone fell on the phone. <laughs> I did uh, a little bit of research this morning. 
Oh, I hope I'm still connected. Are you still hearing me? Yes. I did a little bit of research this morning on the on the Walmart uh, website, and I was quite disappointed to read to read that their focus is on price on trying to give the lowest price to everybody all the time. And so what does that mean? That means that they've lost their way. They don't have a why. So in our MLM business, we have a clear why. We, we know, well, I know why I'm in the business. And it is the only thing that has kept me in the business for 15 years. A clear why of understanding that we are in a business to save time, to save money, to uh, help people find healthy solutions while being mindful of the planet. But the thing about our business is we have an amazing leader. She acts uh, very much like Sam Walton. She offers all of the things that Sam Walton does. And we hear these similar rules over and over again. The danger with all businesses is that they can lose their whys. The why can get hidden without even realizing it. In an MLM business, new people are arriving all the time. Our business thrives on the fact that we have a massive new influx of people every month. Those people don't know our why. And, you know, one of the things that I realized as I was reading this is it's something that I need to talk to about my people every week because every week there are going to be new people coming in and if your why can be upfront and visible from the get-go then everybody has an opportunity to understand it and be be part of it if people join an mlm and the only thing they see is people discounting products or uh, just doing sales, not really communicating. Well, the why to them is fuzzy. We don't want to have a fuzzy why. So uh, I think for me, this was a reminder that having a, a fuzzy why is not good for your business. Having a solid why is magnificent. And it can make the difference between a business in success and a business not in success. Now, what is surprising about business people is that uh, even the most successful of them sometimes don't feel successful. And um, uh, there is a group of uh, business people called the Titans that meet once a year. And it's a group of 40 to 50 uh, CEOs from uh, companies. And they meet for about four to five days. And Simon Sinek was very privileged to be invited to go to one of their meetings. And he figured it was going to be like most other meetings, you know, a discussion of the minds, what is working, what is not working, and, uh, and new ideas. So he was quite surprised when on the first day, um, a question was asked. And the question was, um, raising your hand, how many of you feel, no, how many of you um, achieved financial success this year? And in the room, pretty impressive, 80% of people put up their hands. So then the leader of the meeting said, well, keeping your hands high now, how many of you feel 
you were successful this year. And what was shocking to Simon Sinek was nearly all of the hands went down, leaving maybe 20% of the people. So these are the top companies in, um, in America. And of them, only 20% of them felt they were successful. And the truth of the matter is that when you are in business, uh, as your business gets more and more successful, sometimes you lose your way a bit. You start to wonder, what, what was my why? What, why am I still doing this business? Everything gets very um, mundane and, you know, you feel like you're doing the same thing. And so what this meeting of the Titans became was a meeting of rediscovering their wives so that when they were able to leave, they were able to rediscover that passion that they had for their business. And they recognized that, um, you know, in the transition from starting to being successful, that there was a process that, that they had to go through. And the constant reminder, and don't forget that as businesses grow, then the why adapts a little bit sometimes. And it's being able to recognize that and to be able to go with it, which um, inspired these people. And, you know, the top business leaders in land spend a few days shedding tears and, and reaching deep into themselves to rediscover their whys. A why cannot be fuzzy. It is not good for you. It is not good for the people around you. So I'm going to pass over to um, uh, Marie-Pierre now, who is going to talk to us a little bit about achievement and success. Yes, thank you, Melanie. And just before I start, I want to make sure that everyone shared the podcast this morning. So if you haven't shared, that's the time to do it. If you are on Podbean, it gives you more hearts. So at the end of the month, you have more chance in the draw for the conditioning program. And on Facebook, always add a comment with your share so people will know why they should click on it and listen to the podcast every morning. So thank you for sharing every morning. So let's go into the subject because yes, that, that feeling of being successful and achievement is really something completely different. So the difference between success and achievement but is really subtle and is often open to one's own interpretation. So in order to be successful, a person needs to learn a trait by accepting and managing it wholeheartedly and accomplishment on the other end comes with the outcome of grade uh, or grade you receive after entering a difficult process so success is most naturally associated to a feeling of joy happiness and being passionate about your work just like Melanie told us about it if you want to feel successful you need to be passionate about your work about your why so what do you prefer? Do you prefer success or do you prefer achievement? So we know that there are three ingredients critical to achieving success. That includes skills, skills, knowledge, and attitude. And attitude is by far the critical component of the recipe for success, accounting for 85% of success quotient. So what is the success? So please go write in the comment, what is your definition of success? So if I ask you, what is your definition for success? What you would answer in the comment? 
And after your definition, what does it mean for you to be successful? If you say, ah, oh, yes, I'm really successful, what is it exactly? Your success for you. So seeing other people have success, that's great. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, so maybe it's really a hard question this morning. It's okay, you can think about it. <laughs> it changed people's life. Perfect. So yes, a lot is to help others around us. So it can be defined as simply as being happy with what you have already. Or maybe it can be defined as the fact of getting or achieving wealth, respect, or fame. So in fact, several leaders will have very different definition for success. So in a business magazine, they ask a lot of leaders, what is success? So for one, it's to live the lives we truly want and deserve and not just the lives we settle for. And we need the, a third metric. <laughs> so a third measure of success that goes beyond the two metric of money and power and consists of the four pillars. So well-being, wisdom, wonder and giving another answer success is a matter of constant growth another answer that success is about engagement and the last one answer success is about living in accordance with your value so everyone has so different answer about what is the success but others will feel that you can enjoy success simply by reaching a point where you have satisfaction and contentment with your life in every respect. So it is not necessarily defined by material things or accomplishment. There is a distinction between success and achievement. So success comes when we wake up every day in that never-ending pursuit of why we, why we do what we do. Our achievement, what we do, serve as a milestone to indicate where we are on the right path. So achievement can be defined as a thing done successfully, typically by effort, courage, or skill. So however, achievement is different from success. It refers to getting what you want. Achievement requires ability to set goals and objective, to make plan of action, and then to implement those plans. So achievement required that you overcome obstacles and difficulties in reaching goals that you have set for yourself. So like many successful leaders or mentors, we have to know that both success and achievement are the starting point of attaining a great accomplishment in every part of our life. So the key to this success or achievement is to set goals, program around your value. So once you program your target or desire in the subconscious and your subconscious mind, it will stimulate the power to drive and steer you in, into attainment of your goal. So it certainly, certainly helps to define these goals and attach action steps and strategy to match them. So in doing so, you will reinforce it within the subconscious and superconscious mind your desired outcome for a quicker manifestation. So the key to success is being perfectly clear about what you want, exactly how it will look when you achieve it. So to move yourself to being one of the top 3% of high-performing people in the world, it is hard to believe that it's just only a pen and a paper 
and making a list of what you want. It's all that is stopping you from having the life that you want to have with both success and achievement in it. So if you really want to be part of that 3% of high performing people, there's so common, there's some common characteristic of high achievement and how, how they, and they're in evident, evident, evidence long before anyone flourish a check it flag. So number one, it's the power of self-knowledge. So knowing your strengths and weaknesses may be the most important characteristic to seeking excellence. So high achievers are regularly critic themselves and make adjustments. Number two, it's time consciousness. So like a soybean or gold, <laughs> time is a commodity. And although not traded in any market, any billionaire will tell you that time is more precious than gold and how high achievers don't waste time. Number three, it's persistence. And I learned a new word today, stick to itiveness. And it's a real word, <laughs> meaning that perseverance. <laughs> high achievers personify the stick to itiveness. <laughs> Number four is the power of decision. So indecision is the kryptonite of achievement. History has shown that an army with poor with a poor battle plan boldly executed can defeat a greater force tentatively deployed. And number five, learn from mistakes. So no one likes failure, but high achievers recognize the value of setback and actually leverage them in the quest for excellence. So failure is the abating harness made of achievement and high achievers expect to always be itch to both. So it gives you an idea of what is the difference. And I really love that when we talk about the fuzzy why and the, the, the success and achievement, it's all something that comes together. And when you know that you can be successful and you have achievement every day, now you can really uh, start to clear your why. So there's a difference between your fuzzy why and don't know yet your why. So <laughs> that's really something that we uh, learned yesterday when we uh, read that book. So that's it for my part. So I will let Melanie to just close the podcast for this morning. Yes, Marie-Pierre. And that, of course, is a really good point because sometimes we uh, come into something and we may see the why of a company, but maybe we don't know our own why. But that's something that develops over time. But it's something that you definitely need to have. You need to know why you are doing what you're doing. Otherwise, it's not exciting to get up in the morning. My alarm went at 6.30 this morning so I could get up and prepare for the podcast. And my husband's like, whoa, what's going on? I said, well, I'm getting up to prepare for the podcast. I'm excited. And it really made me uh I so reinforce ideas that to be excited to do your business, wow, that's probably an amazing gift that we have. So tomorrow we're going to continue on our journey. And um, the chapter for tomorrow is called Split Happens. So I'm intrigued to see what, uh, what is going to be in that chapter. So goodbye, everyone, and thank you for joining us this morning. Thank <laughs> you.